Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Asher Agency, a full-service partner to clients nationwide. Asher's services include media planning, creative, digital, and social, website development, public relations, printing and fulfillment, and more. Anything you need to connect with your prospects and tell your story. To learn more, visit asheragency.com or contact us at hello at asheragency.com. My guest is Jake Pickett. Jake, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Anthony. Thanks. Well, thank you for joining us and for being here. How are the kids doing? Kids are great. Man, they're a trip. We got complete polar opposite kids, but they're really, really good kids and a lot of fun. So remind me, how old are your kids? Fifth grader and a second grader. Okay. Yeah. All right. And yeah. you have the one who is the angel, does everything you ask her to do, and then the one who doesn't quite do that? A couple of angels. One's just a little more maybe rebellious, <laughs> I right. suppose. But okay. I mean, they're just, they're really, really good kids. And it's tough to keep it in context because I know how I was as a little kid. Yeah. And I think back to sixth grade and Mrs. Knox had to get give me a talking to like three different times. I had to miss the school carnival. And I think back now, and she was asking me point blank, why are you acting this way? And I could not answer it. So now I'm asking my eight-year-old, why are you asking this way? And then the sixth, you know, the sixth grader in me is like, he doesn't know, dude. You still don't know why you acted that way when you were 12. Yeah. So it, it's, man, it's a trip. It's a yeah. lot of fun though. Well, and it's a reminder that karma finds you, yeah. right? If you have, my, my son is now 23 and he was almost never in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like one time in high school, had his phone out and got kind of in trouble. But if I believe his side of the story, it was a misunderstanding. Yeah. And for years and years and years, I was like, oh, karma skips a generation because I was the worst kid ever. And now I have an eight-year-old stepdaughter who is like I was as a child. So karma will always find you as we have both found out. It does. And my so, wife, and, and bless her heart, she was Hannah when she was a kid, no trouble or anything. Oh, and so I'm like, hey, you know, you know how it was when we met. Yeah. I made you laugh. That's probably the first problem. <laughs> well, hopefully you're you encourage, kept encouraging me. Making people laugh and you have that going for you. Yeah. All right. So you have a new job. I do, yeah, yeah. So I started at Fort Wayne Metals back in November, mid-November. Yeah. Okay. Um, heading up the marketing communications team there. Awesome. So, yeah, it's been All a right. lot of fun. Well, we're going to dive into that in more depth, but I'd like to hear how you got there because you have done a lot of different things over the years. I have. And take us through your career path, and if you don't mind, start at the beginning. What was your original plan? Where did you go from there? And did you continue down that path or did you go in a different direction? Yeah. So I grew up in a family of educators, a mm -hmm. lot of teachers in my family, including the, you know, my cousin is the principal where our kid, you know, kids go to school and, and I've got, my dad was a teacher for 30 plus years and yeah. retired as a teacher and, and many more family members. So that always felt like something I would do, coach and teach. I was mm -hmm. the coach's kid. Yep. Um, my dad always coached teams I was on and my brother's teams. And so it really felt like I was going to get into that realm. Um, it wasn't until I was a freshman at Vincent's University. I went to a junior college for a year to play baseball. Mm -hmm. And, and and um, the idea was to play a couple years of JUCO, and then you could transfer to kind of a bigger school and get some playing time versus going to a big school and sit in the bench. Yeah. Um, I also found out they have academic scholarships at junior colleges at that time because yeah. I was like, wait, I can't. I got A's. Why do I have to go to a JUCO? Yeah. Got a little extra money there. So um, as I was scrolling through, I was ready to transfer to Ball State though, and scrolling through the majors. 
And I just didn't quite feel like I wanted to be a teacher. I just didn't mm-hmm. think that was what I wanted to do. Um, and I came across a, a major called sport administration, mm-hmm. and that was the thumb stop right there. I was yeah. like, okay, sports, business seems kind of yep. cool. I was never really into DECA, so now looking back, there's some things I wish I'd have done in high school to maybe like be more prepared to make that decision. Yeah. Um, so saw that, okay, yeah, I could work in professional sports or college sports and in the business side of things or do a lot of ways with that. Um, so selected that, transferred to Ball State, um, and took some marketing classes involved with the business minor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really kind of learned a little bit about marketing, but didn't really necessarily think I would get into marketing um, quite yet. Uh, landed a couple internships. And I, I tell people all the time, if you're kind of getting into the business, if you have any interest in sports business, but just in marketing business in general, a minor league baseball internship is a phenomenal way to, A, figure out who you are and what you want to do, but also decide if you want to work in you know professional sports and at what level. Um, worked with some really great people, some mutual friends. Um, you know, Brian Shacko with yep. the, the Tin Caps, he was the GM. He was the youngest GM in the Midwest League when oh, I did an internship yeah. under him. He was the boss there. Um, and then internship for the Indianapolis Indians. And both times just did a lot of work, got a lot of exposure. But really what stood out is I, I realized I didn't want to work in minor league baseball. Um, came, I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. And it came down to kind of the hours and, and what I wanted to do. Well, it's summer. your whole summer, right? Exactly. You're working yeah. when everyone else is playing. Yeah. yeah. So I found I don't love it enough. As much as the guys that choose to, <laughs> yeah. and guys oh, sure. and girls that choose to make that their career, and and I'm so happy that people find that, like, because I'm glad that the sport exists, but yeah. I didn't want to be the one running it. Yeah, and remind me, where was that? What team were you working for? The Beloit Snappers are up in Wisconsin, that's and right. that's where okay. Shaq was. Yeah. And then I came down for the Indianapolis okay. Indians because right. I was living in Indy. Yeah. Um, and that internship is, I was the merchandise intern, so I was running the gift shop. Mm-hmm. It was my first chance to hire. Um, and and manage a staff. Yeah. And okay, you've got a I don't know what I was twenty twenty one <laughs> yeah. year old. Who are you going to hire? Well, yeah. your other twenty twenty one year old oh, sure. friends. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do? Take advantage of yeah. you as their boss. <laughs> yeah. So I learned some lessons there. Oh, sure. About hiring friends and, yeah. and working with friends. Um, but but was introduced to a vendor there who told me about an agency there in Indianapolis mm-hmm. that had been growing like crazy, and they were a motorsports marketing yeah. agency. Um, so reached out to them and got an interview. And um, and this was a, an interesting crossroads, I think, where I had to make a decision. And, and the person who hired me, still to this day, is a great contact. He's now running the commercial division for Toyota Racing. Okay. He's a phenomenal yeah. uh, motorsports guy, marketing guy. And so I sat down with him, and I thought, okay, I've already got a job off on the table elsewhere. And um, so if he offers me a job, i got some time to yeah, I can yeah. negotiate a little bit maybe. So he said, hey, Jake, we're ready to make you an offer. Here's what you'll make your first year. Is it something you want to do? And I said, well, John, here's the thing. I also have an offer to manage a store at the mall, a world store at the mall. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm kind of trying to decide. And that one's going to pay me a little bit more. Um, you know, I kind of want some time to make decision. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, were you paying attention to how I described this job? <laughs> Would you like to travel the country and market motorsports? Did NASCAR? he really say it that yeah. way? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Or do you yeah. want to go sit in the mall and run a hat <laughs> and, and have to manage teenagers wow. at a hat world? And I was like... Yeah, there goes that leverage. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Count me yeah. in. So now you had grown up playing baseball, but mm-hmm. was motorsports in the picture at all, or was that brand new to you? It was brand new, and that's yeah. why I didn't really think I would even get the uh-huh. offer. I said, yeah. John, I don't even have a motorsports background, and that was actually an advantage because the access we had. So we had clients. You know, the first four clients I managed were Directv, ESPN, Crown Royal, 
and Subway. Those wow. are like the four yeah. clients I was exposed to in the agency world. Which, yeah. And as the lead contact for those folks, which yeah. as you know, you don't usually typically put yeah. a 23, 24-year-old in charge yeah. of an account like that. Um, but they said, hey, if you had a motorsports background and you were a super fan, we wouldn't be able to trust you with the access you're going to have. Yeah, you're you'd gonna be starry-eyed. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, focused on the wrong things. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we had a, what's called a hard card in NASCAR terms and in motorsports. So we could go anywhere in the track, mm-hmm. um, you know, give people tours of the tracks, um, work out signage and promotions for the around the race. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun. And learned everything about experiential marketing, um, sponsorship marketing, guerrilla grassroots stuff, mm-hmm. and just learned a ton about that side of the marketing realm. Yeah. So where do you go from there? Why did you make a change and where do you go from there? It sounds like a pretty great yeah. job. It young, was fantastic. You're young, so, yeah. so why make a change? Let's see. I went to, uh, I went on the road 20 to 30 weekends a year well, there's your from answer. age yeah. 23 to 30. <laughs> yeah. And I met, uh, who's now named Samantha Pickett, my yeah. wife. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so when we started dating, I thought, I don't really want to be gone yeah. as much as I was. Yep. And then we started a family. I said, I really don't want to be yeah. gone as much as I was. So when we got pregnant, we decided, hey, we're going to go back to Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Both of us being from here, we'll yep. find something to do in Fort Wayne. She's a nurse and so had a lot of opportunities that she could, she could um, go after. Yeah. Um, for me, I had to make a tough decision on, okay, this is a little bit of a shift because there's not mm-hmm. really anything like a nat, yeah. you know, at that level sure. of a motorsports or just agency in general in Fort mm-hmm. Wayne. Um, definitely some national level agencies, but not the type of work yeah. I was doing. Sure. Um, and so uh, a mutual friend, um, Katie O'Merrigan, yep. has been friends with her since we were yep. in you know, elementary school together. And yep. so I don't know how I maybe LinkedIn or something reached out to her, saw mm-hmm. she was at BMY at the time yeah. and said, hey, Katie, I'm looking to move back to uh, Fort Wayne, have some agency experience, uh, met with Jerry Youngglut and, and had a great, great conversation, interview with him. And, and he said, hey, I need you up here at the start of the year. And that was like beginning of December. So okay. in a month we were moving home. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, you know, my wife could, you know, she had a little more time. She stayed down in India and yeah. worked a little bit. So worked with, with Jerry and that group for a year and a half there at BMY with, you know, Parkview and the boats companies, mm-hmm. a lot of different, you know, um, clients there and learned a lot. Um, learned more about what I didn't know mm-hmm. a, a, than what I did. Yeah. It was really my first kind of taste of failure as a professional. I, and I, I love learning from those things and looking at the time, it didn't really feel even feel like a failure. It was more like a, this isn't the right fit. And yep. I think I'm moving on. But as you get older and you kind of look back, you're like, yeah. okay, there were some things I could have done better. I think everybody has one of those, at mm-hmm. least one of those. Yeah. I know I do. Yeah. yeah. So, so great people, great clients, but um, connected with an agency called Market Share Plus. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a little more aligned with my experience. It, and really what happened at BNY was I had never like placed a billboard order before. I had never, yeah. um, I didn't understand marketing media plans. Mm-hmm. I was the the consultant for the big agency in New York who was doing all that mm-hmm. work. Somebody so, else was handling it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. if they needed help with it, if Crown Royal wanted help with a billboard, they just wanted to make sure it didn't sound like dumb, like mm-hmm. they didn't know anything about racing. So yeah. their New York agency would write the, the billboard and then we would make fun of their <laughs> million dollar copywriters <laughs> yeah. and be like, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. tell you've never been to a race before, here's what it should say. Yeah. So you know, we felt pretty good about that. So coming to BNY, just a lot of unknowns, mm-hmm. didn't know what I didn't know yet. Um, yeah. Market Share, one of our biggest clients was the Trans Am Racing Series. Uh-huh. And okay. so, man, I got to yeah. get back into racing. And so I headed up the marketing 
and sponsorship development for the Trans Am Racing Series, which is a, a professional racing series. It's been around a long time. It actually was more popular than NASCAR prior to the you know NASCAR's rise oh, in the wow. 70s. Okay. But it was really the, the number one sort of stock car racing huh. in, in, in America. Um, and so, yeah, caught on with them, got some great clients, and still doing some um, you know freelance work with one of those clients and yep. been able to kind of maintain those relationships. Yep. So well, That's great. So you're at market share for how long? Another then? year and a half. Okay. So about three years of those agencies. All right. And uh, Sweetwater runs an ad in the Business Weekly looking yep. for a marketing manager for the Sweet Family of Companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some things that market share weren't maybe where I wanted them to be as far as, you know, how the business was going. And so yeah. I wasn't necessarily really itching to leave. But when I saw that opportunity and um, knew some people over there already and the reputation there, I said, man, I really got to got to yeah. check this one out. So Sweetwater is a is a known name to many people who will listen to this, mm-hmm. but the Sweet family of businesses are, am I correct, that it's everything but the, the music part of the business? Yeah. It's yeah. Lounge Optical and Sweet, sweet Cars, cars sweet, sweet Aviation. aviation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, was that attractive to you, that it wasn't the music side, or was it kind of like, well, maybe if I do this, I can move, move over to the mm-hmm. music side? How did you go into that? I didn't really have like any um, aspirations to get on the music side. Yeah. I like music. I always enjoyed music. But I would have. I feel like I would have been imposter syndrome left and right with mm-hmm. the talent yeah. in that building, just the musical talent oh, sure. that knows how to market. Yeah. And then they have some marketers that might dabble in an instrument, too. Mm-hmm. But um, So, yeah, that was what I was excited about. About and really tried to leverage and and sort of take advantage of when I was there were the resources that were running that billion dollar business. How do we take some of that stuff yep. and inject that into Sweet Car Sweet Aviation? Yeah. And so learned a ton about um, about just borrowing resources and, and combining resources and using what's available to you without taking advantage or like hurting what they need to be doing. Yeah. So I had to be diplomatic about it and, and sort of gracious for time. But any chance, and there's people that are probably still annoyed by me, because any <laughs> chance I got to kind of tap into their oh, sure. knowledge, I tried. Yeah. And um, it just incorporate. And and that was intentional, too, in that we wanted the marketing to be cohesive. It's now all under kind of the Surak Enterprises yep. um, umbrella. And, and I can't think of many more people I would rather spend, you know, six years of my life yeah, um, sure. working for than Chuck Surak and, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal phenomenal place to be. Um, and so now that they're kind of doing their own thing and standing on their own legs, it's interesting to see how um, they're just really taken off yeah. and, and so sweet water. Well, and kind of drawing on your agency background, because you're working for different entities, you yeah. have multiple clients, you got to balance your priorities. and you know. That was the selling point for yeah. me to sell myself to, yeah. for the position. Interestingly, I was actually passed over the first time through. Um, but then got a call like, you know, six weeks later, hey, you still interested? And yep. so there had been a lot of turnover in that position. And um, so I, I feel pretty good about having come in there after five different people in three years were turned over in that position. And I, I held on to it for six years yep. and, and left on really good terms and just left for an opportunity to kind of move into more of a, a growth and management role. Yeah. So so another case where good experience, but you still decide to, to do something different. Yeah. You know, so was it the, the opportunity to, I think you said, be in a management role that mm-hmm. motivated that? Any other motivators in, in making the change? Well, one was really maybe taking a chance at focusing on one industry. Mm-hmm. So I went from Sweetwater to Ruoff Mortgage for about a year, yep. a little over a year, and now at Four-Way Metals. And, and in both cases, I had um, been stretched really thin in yep. the agency side and even thinner on the Sweetwater side. And we figured out pretty quickly why that turnover, part of the reason that turnover was there was like 12 companies that mm-hmm. I was in charge of yeah. marketing. And, and yeah. just having, like, 
how intimidating it is to open up your Facebook and try to choose which account to reply mm-hmm. to, and you have twelve different Facebook yeah. accounts right there. Yeah. Um, that, well, that and was, every day, one of all of those twelve entities have a priority have, for you, mm-hmm. so you always have twelve top priorities. Yeah. And you get it that I, I, I speak with a little bit of knowledge because that's yeah. that's the agency world, right? Exactly. So I can see why it might be tempting to go with more depth than. Didn't breath. feel like we can yeah. get very deep. So the first yeah. thing, one of the best things I did, we did was bring a counterpart in who was a music person who could handle. Um, you know, the academy and mm-hmm. the studios and yep. the store itself is its own marketing entity okay. compared to, you know, the online business yep. and the, in the um, phone business. So um, Aaron came in. He's still there. Just mm-hmm. absolutely rocking it. He's one yep. of my favorite musicians in town. Yeah. I'm going to plug his band, Humans Among Us. Okay. He's got a brand new band All right. making fantastic music. Okay. And I want to give Aaron a shout out because he's right. just this awesome dude. But Humans new band, Among Humans Us. Among okay. Us. His wife is singing. Sounds amazing. They play some really cool stuff. Um, right. So I'm excited to catch them live but so Aaron's still a good friend <laughs> yeah um, you know he's marketing the studio and all those things mm-hmm. so it was just a chance to kind of yeah how can I do like how deep can I get and how smart can I be about one industry and yeah. apply what I know so that yeah. was part of it for sure yeah. okay all right so you mentioned that you're now at Fort Wayne Metals mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what Fort Wayne Metals is. We've had some Fort Wayne Metals folks on the podcast previously, but from your perspective as someone who still has probably a good deal of objectivity, but also some knowledge, what is the business all about and what's your role in that? Yeah, I think the most common uh, misconception is is what Fort Wayne Metals makes. I think we, they, we get lumped into everything from people think we make like paper clips and, and you know needles yeah. to um, giant like metal poles or metal recycling. Yeah. I've heard all of that. And I actually had that misconception too. I was looking up, I'm like, how am I going to get excited? Thinking back on the, you know, the products I've marketed and the companies I've worked for, no reputation was better. Like, um, coming to me, I was prepared that, hey, Fort Wayne Metals has a phenomenal reputation yep. of people and how they yep. treat their people. So that was really, really appealing. But how am I getting excited about the product? So I did some research, watched some videos, um, just talked to some people and said, I'm absolutely going to go in and, and find out more. I got to mm-hmm. learn more about this. Yep. And um Found out real quickly that we make some really cool stuff. And yeah. so, and it's all very important stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, it kind of boils down to precision wire that's used in primarily in medical devices, implants, things like that. But we also have some non medical um, usage as well. And yeah. so, we're taking, you know, wire that might be the size of maybe a nickel or a quarter. Mm-hmm. It's more like a pole at that point or mm-hmm. a rod. Yep. And, and I learned the process all about drawing wire. How do we take that rod and get it down to, you know, small, a fraction of a, the diameter of a hair mm. and that's when it like my mind got blown was, yeah we're taking a, a wire that's smaller than a human hair putting it inside 19 you know putting 19 wires inside that Jeez. and then another one inside that and just really cool yeah. science and, and um, research and development going on over there to just to help the world so that's been really cool yeah so and your tell me about your role and the team you work with yep so heading up the marketing communications team and it was um, a little bit of a shift on how the team's been structured there um, um, but primarily managing a team of creatives. And mm-hmm. so, um, which is interesting for me, not having a creative design background. I've done mm-hmm. quite a bit of writing, yep. and in, but I've worked with um, creatives and, and helped art direct. Um, uh, I'll use that with loosely. Helped art direct <laughs> for many years yeah. based on what the client needed, based yep. on what I know the boss of the boss of the boss needed, mm-hmm. or based on what was best for the actual company yeah. or the product. And you kind of have to really do all three of those sometimes. Yeah. Well, it um, goes back to the experience of somebody in New York designed a billboard yeah. for a racetrack. Yeah. 
I can give them input into how to make it better. Exactly. Yeah. So I felt pretty comfortable going into that, but really appealing to me, drawing back on kind of growing up in a you know teaching and coaching background, I still have always had that sort of itch of of wanting to kind of lead and and help. I, I, can, I think I can help people and make an impact on people. So um, we've got a team of a couple of graphic designers. Um, we've got a copywriter. We've got a project manager, and we've got a multimedia um, creative. And then we're in the process of hiring a content specialist okay. to kind of round out that team. All right. And there's a lot of folks who are hiring content specialists these days. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that means to you and what you're looking for. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. find an employee for you through I know the podcast. It. Well, it's funny what we were talking about before, how that um, an interesting kind of made an interesting discovery as we were interviewing candidates based on the job description that was written for the about the role of the person who left. Mm-hmm. And in kind of your gut or your instinct is to say, someone left, there's a hole, let's fill it with that person. Yep. We just need to find another that person. Yeah, we need to find a clone of the person yeah. who left. Yeah, yeah. And so we kind of started realizing I'm not a clone of the person I replaced. Yep. And our needs aren't exactly the same from a business needs standpoint to a, a talent need within the team. We yep. have a, a copywriter who has been there for um, six years, six plus years, who primarily has been more of a storytelling um, creative copywriter, mm-hmm. but really starting to like... I feel like I'm helping him see that he has a lot more underneath their knowledge, underneath yeah. the hood, than he realizes. Yep. And he's doing a phenomenal job writing from a technical standpoint. So we entered a few, a few people thinking we were looking for a technical copywriter. But the more we thought about it, we thought, you know, Dan can kind of move into this role and really move into some more leadership opportunities mm-hmm. for him as a veteran of the team. Yeah. And let's fill this with somebody that he can teach, not try to go find someone who's going to be an exact fit. Yeah. For, like, that's a needle in a haystack right there. Someone who can write about wire, who can write about mm-hmm. the things that we need to write about um, in that world. So just kind of a readjustment of what we thought we needed. Yeah. Um, and so what we're looking for is someone that can... Um, do kind of a combination, understand, te- you know, complicated things and then sort of write it in an understandable, digestible way. Okay. That's probably A1. Yeah. Um, the second thing this person will do is help manage our trade show mm-hmm. uh, marketing, mm-hmm. everything from the marketing materials and the booth setup to the logistics of that. We, yeah. we have um, <clears throat> just a phenomenal group of sales reps who travel the world. I had no idea about this part of Fort Wayne Middles, that how we have so much representation across the globe, yeah. including people based here in Fort Wayne who one day might be in... You know, one week might be in Malaysia, and the next week they're in Turkey, and the mm. next week they're here for a week. And yeah. so um, we're doing trade shows and evaluating trade shows around the world constantly. And so that's been uh, a little bit of a shift. I think when I understand, we had less than 10 trade shows, and now we're doing closer to 20. Wow. Um, and so just really trying to be strategic about what shows we do, yeah. who goes to those. Well, it's a big investment, so you yeah. want to make sure you get a good return on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really investing in that. So we need someone that can really kind of help you know dial that in and be a lead okay. there. Um, and then some account coordinator support, um, yep. looking for some some help on that area. Um, we've got a really strong, she's referred to as a project manager, but really a traffic person mm-hmm. with my agency background. That's really what yep. I would relate her to is she's not necessarily picking a project, seeing it all the way through to the end and the finish line. She's seeing all our projects in and helping kind of direct the traffic of how they go through our system. And so she could use some support there. So really just looking to kind of round out the team with yep. some support and talent. So you're spending a lot of time learning the business mm-hmm. right now. You spend a lot of time building and sort of learning a team. Mm-hmm. Does that leave time for anything else? Not a lot there. <laughs> Those are really the two big things. Yeah. And the the thing I've been sort of hitting my my team over the head with is there's our th- we have three main focuses mm-hmm. um, that we can help as a marketing team. 
We can market our product, we can market our people, and we can market the processes. Mm-hmm. And by processes, I mean the machines with which we do the work. Yep. Those are really the three things that help us go. Sometimes we have enough demand for a product and we have enough supply, but we don't have the people or the machines to do it. Uh, there may be times yeah. where um, there's not enough supply available, but we got the people mm-hmm. and the machines. So as a marketing team and a corporate communications team, what can we control? Well, the only part we can control of that, we can't control the supply chain and we mm-hmm. can't control if the machines are, are working, if we have enough, but we can help get people in the door to run them when yeah. they need them. So that's been a huge focus for us is how do we support um, you know, the employer branding, yep. the, you know, the local advertising, the digital advertising, things that we're doing to try to recruit. Um, how can we, you know, plus up our ads, plus up our copy, yeah. you know, um, going through some some exercises right now with legal on what we can and can't say. And <laughs> yeah. so they're not real happy with me probably right now. But not that we're trying to, you know, do anything wrong. We just want to find, like, the best way to say mm-hmm. the words that we know are true. Yeah. But we got it. There's a little more scrutiny there because it's a medical. Oh, sure. you know, We're in the medical world. Yeah. Um, I, I made. I kind of had like an aha moment of why am I like this? Well, at Sweetwater, <laughs> we could not get a sentence out the door without at least like three superlatives or adjectives in that <laughs> sentence. No ad yeah. Yeah. did not have like less than you know three adj- adjectives in it. Well, every time I add an adjective to a line for Fort Wayne Metals, that's a that's a risk, yeah. right? We're, yeah. we're making a claim. You're making a promise, yeah. right? So, yeah. <laughs> really starting to shift that mindset. That's been a learning moment for me, yeah. and and probably growing pains that other people don't want to experience, but I needed to. Well, and that limitation, I guess I can use that word, is another creative exercise, right? Yeah. How do I still get the point across? while still being responsible to yeah. the, the the industry. Yeah. Um, so there's something else I want to ask you about because I know it's important to you and it's not your day job, but you have a pretty important volunteer commitment that you're involved in. It yeah. sounds like you had some recent success with it. Um, talk about, if you don't mind, what the organization is, why you got involved, and how that fits in with the rest of your professional life as a marketer. Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. And, and um, So I've been involved with Special Olympics since 2007. So 15, over 15 years, mm-hmm. um, started out coaching basketball. So um, the, I lived in Marion County at the time. They needed a basketball coach uh, for third, fourth, fifth graders. Yep. And so um, showed up at Sunnyside Elementary and, and met these kids and started coaching. It was my first time coaching um, anything really other than, I can't think of an example before that um, of coaching, maybe intramural teams that I was on, I was maybe the coach of. But um, so really kind of just get to know the kids and trying to understand, you know, what what to do and how this is going to go. Um, only took one practice before I was hooked. And I'm like, man, Now, did I'm you have any back. prior connection to Special Olympics? I did. So um, if you back up to when I was in elementary school, middle school, uh, my parents worked, my mom worked in a group home um, and worked with people with special needs. And prior to that, she worked at the State Developmental Center. Okay. So that was the big facility where the NIC is now. Yep. And I, I think Ivy Tech has some mm-hmm. space there. So um, right there, that was, it was called the state school or yep. this, um, there was, you know, other words that we don't use anymore to describe the people that live there. And so it, it would it was nothing for me to, and it was right next to my neighborhood. So I was yep. at my mom's work a lot. Um, and then when she started working in group homes, maybe instead of going to a babysitter or a practice after work, I would have to go back to the group home mm-hmm. and hang out with her. So I would find myself teaching, you know, someone who's 30 years old that can, you know, barely speak English or, or might have some troubles comprehending English and communicating with me as a 10 year old. So we would just play catch or yep. we would shoot baskets or I just became yeah. very comfortable in that world. Um, just 
So going back to that coaching and teaching kind of legacy in your family, there's a there's an outlet for yeah. And you know, I I'll never forget in fifth grade. So we had um, general music class. You had to choose like, did you do choir or band? Mm -hmm. And I was so into sports, I had no interest in singing or playing an instrument. So I chose the general music one. And we had these keyboards, and there was like a machine that had a bunch of keyboards around it, so all us kids could sit around the same machine and and learn a song. And um, I'll never forget Eric. Uh, sitting next to me who um, I don't know like what you would diagnose or anything but I just know he had trouble sitting still and he was in the special ed class and I, you know I didn't know much about it beyond that he didn't have any friends got picked on a lot um, and he's sitting here just struggling to try to figure out how to play it. and I had Mary Lou had a little lamb down I was pretty yeah. man I can play piano now yeah. and so he, he couldn't do anything and so I kind of hey can I help Eric with his and I'll never forget the feeling of when he played it on his own for the first time. And not just my feeling, but the feeling on his face, the yeah. accomplishment, like the joy. Yeah. And then I got to see that over and over when I moved mm-hmm. into Special Olympics. And I think that triggered something. That first practice when yeah. maybe somebody hit a free throw, it took me back to the look on Eric's face when he learned how to play uh, yeah. Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. Well, that's so So that's a great beginning. And, you know, you, you talked about how you got started mm-hmm. with it. How is that still part of your work today? What are you doing today? And, and tell us about the event that you were just part of. Yeah. So I've been coaching it. At, so I coached it for about five, six years, basically until I moved back to Fort Wayne. And then mm-hmm. I did coach for Allen County Track, Special Mix Allen County Track, until I started having kids. And then I decided to shift that focus over. Um, but, you know, coached basketball. And then basketball season ended track coach we need a track coach all right i'm in yeah track season and hey we need a softball coach all right i'm in and just kind of continue to grow yeah. with that organization um i even got to coach the team indiana track team for the 2010 special oh, wow. Olympic national oh, special cool. olympics games which yeah. is really cool now not a guy that really should necessarily be teaching track and field <laughs> but um it was more of just kind of coordination yeah. and keeping everybody sure. together um so anyway fast forward to okay i'm not coaching anymore now that i'm in fort wayne i want to stay involved um and so i get a call from the state office contact there hey we need someone to chair the polar plunge it's our biggest fundraiser of the year um there's 18 of them around the state we need a chair for the fort wayne plunge and the person who had been chairing it prior to me taking over did a fantastic job, was raising, I'm not sure, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, um, really good sponsors, really good involvement, 100-plus people coming out and plunging. And um, so when she stepped away, there was a year where we didn't have a plunge. So came in and said, okay, I'm going to just try to build this thing up yep. um, and just you know started recruiting family to help me do the thing, you know, plan mm-hmm. it and, and run it. And so the first choice we made was to move it from downtown up to Matea County Park. Mm-hmm. Um, Allen County Park's just been a phenomenal, phenomenal partner for us. And I uh, really like them. And Jeff there, the superintendent, is always like, hey, always make sure you say Matea County Park. The city's got <laughs> plenty of parks. This is Matea County Park. And so he's always fighting for I'm his I'm sure he'll piece. appreciate that plug. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It is a great, great park. Um, and then, of course, Fox Island as well. Yep. Um, and so I love working with those guys and we were able to move the plunge up there they've got a great body of water and a nature center there um, so all the facilities that we needed and so that first year and again this would have been year nine that I've chaired it um, we raised you know not quite ten thousand dollars but mm-hmm. we can raise some money and, yep. and um, just continued to increase it we had 30 40 people come out and plunge and then we got to you know a couple years later we got to a hundred and we were raising like 20 thirty thousand and just have seen continued growth and there's a lot of people to think for that 
the schools have really gotten involved. The high schools have really gotten involved and carried that. We've had some really phenomenal sponsors um, kind of step up and help kind of provide some of those lump sum donations. And then um, the local media has been really, really helpful. So Wayne 15 has been a partner with on it since I you know, took it over. And then Adams Radio Group, they'll all blast it out on their channels and stations to give us a chance to come in, do live interviews, um, and just really promote the thing. So really, really good partners. So the Polar Plunge itself, though, is is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It takes place in February. Okay. And so we start planning it now. Yeah. We'll open See, registration. a lot of people do theirs on January 1st. Yeah. I think February has the potential to be way worse in terms <laughs> Potentially of like snow and temperature. Yeah. <laughs> we've had some bad ones. We've had some good ones. Yeah. Um, and to me, a good one is it's snowing and it's like 25, so everything's white and yeah. frozen. Yeah. But it's not like torturous to be standing out yeah. there with a microphone and a <laughs> yeah, bullhorn. Yeah, it looks like it. winter, but it yeah. feels maybe a little bit, yeah, feel, yeah, feels a little better than it could. Yeah. I've been down there in a t shirt or a polo shirt, you know, because I typically yeah. will be the ones kind of introducing each team as they go in. Yeah. So I've been down there in short sleeves. I've been down there like in 10 <laughs> degrees. Jeez. Oh, um, so I actually was involved in the plunge in Indy just as a volunteer, kind of running the VIP tent because mm-hmm. I had some experience managing sponsors. Yep. And so, um, but never had really run it before and really just kind of wanted to get people out there. You know, you sign up, you raise money, and then you show up. And, you, and we don't really know if it's expect between when we get people signed up and then when they show up. So we may show that we've raised, you know, X number online. And then the end, the, the end of the day, we see the full number that everybody raised. And we're just so thankful that everybody yeah. works so hard to raise that money for us. So, and it all goes to, you know, Special Olympics Indiana, which is, you know, the reason we're there is to support the athletes. This money pays for, so Special Olympics athletes don't have to pay to participate. Yeah. And that's, that's why great. we do it. Let's raise money so they can they can play well and, and good for you for staying involved for so long I know a lot of times as a volunteer you kind of run out of steam and run out of time mm-hmm. but it sounds like you're pretty committed to it so that's great it's been yeah it's been fantastic and so now's year nine so this year um, we had more than 300 plungers I think we had 340 plungers raised $84,000 um, which is a, both just highs for us so now we're like okay what can how can we go bigger how can we go bigger <laughs> yeah. so now we got our eyes set on um, just enhancing the thing and just making it more fun for the people you know it's not just a about raising the, you know, the money. That's the most important part. But we want people to come back. That's how the, that mm-hmm. grows. Yeah. If everybody comes out, plunges, and they're like, this is a terrible event, and I don't yeah. want to come back, then we didn't do our job. I don't care how much money we raised if yeah. no one comes back. And if they have a good time, they'll bring friends. Exactly. And that's yeah. what we're seeing. Teams are growing. Um, yeah. I don't, Design Collaborative in town yeah. is our biggest corporate team. Okay. And they came out three, four years ago with like one or two people, maybe four at the most. Yeah. They had like a dozen, including, I think, a third highest fundraiser in the state. Oh, he was wow. definitely a top five, okay. someone that works there. Yeah. The numbers change after our sure. ends. Um, we have a Carroll teacher, Alan mm-hmm. Bodenstein, who was the state's number two fundraiser. Wow. Carroll High School shows up and leads the state in fundraising. Oh, that's great. East Allen University had a hundred, almost 100 kids there plunging. Wow. That's the third of their school. Wow. So the support we get from the local schools, local businesses, other nonprofits show up that maybe have a shared interest yeah. in helping this group. So it's just been a really, really cool event. Well, that's awesome, and, and congratulations on on the recent success. That's mm, great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to pivot to some quick hit questions. Okay. First one has to do with career success and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. You've had the opportunity to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You've worked in industries with a lot of depth. You've worked more broadly uh, and, and served a lot of different clients. What, you've managed people. You've been on the end of being managed. Mm-hmm. What What's the one piece of advice that you've learned that you want to share about building a fulfilling career? Oh man, that's one. I, this is probably the one I thought about the most. Um, 
you know, coming in here because there's so many ways you can go. The, the thing that I think I feel the strong, most strongly about is networking and growing your circle and getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And those are really three of the same yeah. thing, right? I moved back to Fort Wayne in 2010 and had my best friends growing up. A couple of them still lived here and we're still all very tight. We're brothers. Yeah. We're not mm-hmm. just friends. We're brothers. We're, we're on each other's weddings. But we're not all similar when it comes to professions mm-hmm. or even just professional style or anything yeah. like that. A couple of them have no interest in networking professionally mm-hmm. or like carrying what I do for a living. Yep. They're ready to go golf, have a couple of drinks, and then we go on with our lives. We know each other's kids, but now yeah. we don't care about each other's careers. Yeah. So so it was important to me to find kind of a circle that mm-hmm. I could grow within yeah. and kind of grow and, and network in. Um, and so I did that through YL&I, mm-hmm. was my taste of that here in Fort Wayne. So got yep. involved with that organization. And I was never a big on just walking up to random people and striking up a conversation. Um, nowadays, it's it's not even a, like a, a thing or mm-hmm. it, like a delay for me. I probably do it too much more than anything. <laughs> I, I'm like the dad in that uh, there's a Home Depot or somebody commercial where like you're becoming your parents. Yeah, like, no, yeah. you don't have to. Like, that's me. I do all those things. Yeah. But the guy's like, you're not supposed to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's... So, you know, just understanding like how you can grow your network and that you got to get uncomfortable to grow. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I love the snake sheds its skin because he's growing mm-hmm. sort of, um, yeah. you know, metaphor there. Yeah. Well, and it's something that I think it's really easy to avoid mm-hmm. is to just stay in your comfort zone, stay around people who do what you do and think yeah. like you think. Um, but it's really important to test that every now and then. And, and really great things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, if you only spend time with people who have the same network as you, there's only so much opportunities. So, yeah. 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 And it's definitely not for everybody and not everybody wants to have a diverse career and do different yep. things, but I still think there's value even in growing within the position. Even if you want to do the same job for 40 years, which is fantastic, I still think it's important to get other perspectives yeah. and be open-minded and understand that just because I did this job for 20 years this exact way doesn't mean on year 21 there might not be a better way just like there could have been when you started. Yeah. And even more broadly, just because you know this is what I think and the people in my mm. circle think that way, it's nice to get a different perspective every now and get then. Outside the echo chamber yeah you might you might learn something yeah all right um, next question has to do with um, the work you do the organizations you work with and you can include in that the volunteer work you do what is a myth or misconception about the work you do the organizations you work with that you'd like to clear up or something that maybe isn't appreciated enough that you'd like to amplify Hmm, that's a tough one um I try to look back. I, there's so many misconceptions with Special Olympics. That's an easy one, I think, for me to, to look at and try to shatter some misconceptions there. I think the biggest one is on more of the surface level of it's not just a one-time or every four years Olympics event like track and field meet. It's mm-hmm. a year-round movement where um, there are social access to it. There's leadership development. They have a leadership class. And the CEO of Special Olympics Indiana has said that his he thinks that if – it, the only way he could be considered a success as the CEO is if the ne- the person who replaces him is a Special Olympics athlete. Oh wow! His goal is That's to a really big commitment. Find yeah. his replacement to be a Special Olympics oh, wow. athlete. Wow. And we have, um, and I've met several Special Olympics athletes who could do that job. Wow. It's really smart. And so that's the misconception yeah. is that it, that it's like a a chair. It is a charity. It's a nonprofit, but it's not a charity because we feel sorry. It's not mm-hmm. a charity because it's cute. 
it's there because we need to have opportunities for everybody. And so when we talk about inclusion, that's where my mind goes. It doesn't necessarily, it can go any number of directions, but in my heart, inclusion is making sure everybody's got the opportunities, whether they know how to present themselves the right way or can, you know, it doesn't matter how they represent themselves or, or what their abilities are. There's something inside everybody. So that's always my kind of go-to, I think, yeah, when it comes to Special Olympics. That's a really good perspective. And I think that does clear up some misconceptions. All right, last one. We marketers love our tools. We like mm. our hacks. We like our tricks that we use. Is there any one of those, it could just be a general tip, something that you use in your work, maybe not every day, but that you rely on that you think people should know about? And this could be something that maybe they already do know about and you just think it's worth mentioning or something yeah. that maybe is less well-known. Yeah, I think um, there's so many digital tools out there. Um, the thing that I really like have struggled to that I wish I had had more sign of experience was vetting those tools and the usefulness of those usefulness of those tools in yeah. you know clearing the um, sizzle from the steak right mm-hmm. and, and seeing the full benefits so not going into the conversation um, with a vendor. Um, with anything other than I want to learn what you do. Yep. And I tend to go in those with a rebuttal ready because I just feel like I'm going to get sold and mm-hmm. I'm gullible mm-hmm. and I'm just going to think this is the greatest thing they've ever made. So going into those meetings, I think I can do a better job going into those meetings with set questions and my own agenda. Mm. They might ask for the meeting, but it should be my agenda mm. if I want it to be. Or I could just say, you know what, I'm just going to shut up and hear everything. But just being prepared to, to, to tell them what you're looking for and understand what they need because, you know, it's really easy. There's so many and shiny bells and whistles out there that can get us and make our jobs easier, Um, that it's easy to kind of go for, you know, the next shiny thing, marketing. And I've been at places along my career where the leadership said, we're going to chase the next shiny thing. And all of a sudden, you've got a handful of like 20 shiny things and you (laughs) don't know what to do with them and what what anything's worth. So um, try not to get caught up in, in the glimmer of that stuff and just you know, using tools you need is that that's one that's I think recent for me. Yeah, well, and what I hear in that too is preparing for the conversation, even if the preparation is okay. I'm going to let them talk to me and mm-hmm. not you know dive in with too many questions. If what I really want to do is hear what they have to say, I yeah. think especially when you're talking to vendors, there's a temptation to just kind of show up mm-hmm. and let the meeting happen to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you think about it beforehand, you can probably make better use of everybody's time. I feel like I could, yeah, I could definitely make better use of my time and theirs for sure as well. But man, you got to protect your time now, especially. Yeah. Well, in the interest of protecting your time, <laughs> I'm going to have a sign off, but I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for being here and thanks for all the work you do. Well, thank you for having me on. It's always fun. Thank you for listening to the Asher Marketing Podcast. The Asher Marketing Podcast is a production of Asher Agency, a full-service agency for franchises and co-ops, colleges and universities, financial service companies, healthcare organizations, and government agencies. We'll be back next time with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then.